0: This message is brought to you by Mill City Church in Lowell, Massachusetts. For more information, please visit millcitychurch.net. It's time to turn our eyes to God's Word today. Are you excited about studying God's Word together today? And turn to Matthew 13. Matthew chapter 13. If you make your way through the Gospels... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these, autobiog- uh, these biographical co- accounts of Jesus Christ and his ministry, you will see along the way different hallmarks of Jesus' ministry. And one of those hallmarks is the way in which he teaches. And Jesus often employs an oratorical advice, a, a teaching device called parables. And parables are really extended metaphors. Uh, They're like illustrations. So sometimes whenever you hear uh, a preacher like myself giving a sermon or or teaching and we use a life application or, or we use a story, we use a testimony, what we're doing is we are trying to bring the scriptures of God to the everyday. And that's what Jesus did in the first century world. And so what he would often do is he would pull from everyday life. He would pull from things that people just knew about, and he would employ those things in order to make spiritual uh, realities come to life, in order to bridge the gap between a human heart, a human mind, and the eternal truth of a holy God. And so this morning, what we're going to do is turn our attention to one of his many parables, and, and I believe a very important parable for us, a very relevant parable for us, as it is September 1st. It's the dawning of a new school year. Thousands of students are descending upon UMass Lowell's campus this weekend in order to move in their dorms. You who have children at home, you are about to make those transitions as well. And I, I love the fact that in his sovereignty, God has given us things like calendars, where seasons change and we're coming out of a summer season and now into a fall season And when those seasons change, a lot of times it can be moments where we can just kind of refocus and renew in our spiritual minds and also our spiritual mission as a church. And so today as we look at this uh, very prominent parable of Jesus in Matthew 13, I want us to be thinking about what God may be talking to us about today. One commentator has said this about the parables of Jesus, that the parables are designed to capture the listener. I love this language. They're designed to capture the listener and make her a participant, overturning her worldview and leading her to call into question her most basic values. And that's what I want to happen to you today. Whether you are a man or a woman, whether you are old or young, Whether you are married, whether you are single, whether you have children or whether you have none. Regardless of what your station in life is today, regardless of what your age is here today, I want you, as we are about to read this text of Scripture, I want you to jump into this text. I want you to put yourself in the first century world. And just as Jesus spoke to these first century listeners I want Jesus to speak to you today, and he will speak to you as you listen to his word and allow his word to probe deep into your heart. So become a participant today as we walk in to God's word and allow him to question your values, allow him to turn your worldview upside down and to see what it might be that he would be calling you to and to joining him in his mission today. In Matthew 13, we see the parable of the sower. And the parable of the sower, he's going to give the parable, and then he's going to explain parables a little bit, and then he's going to come back and he's going to explain the parable of the sower. And for the sake of our message today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the parable, and then look at the parable explained. So we're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 13, and then we're going to pick up at verse 18. So here's what the text says. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now pick up in verse 18 with me. Here is the basic central truth of the parable of the sower, or the parable of the soils that we need to learn today. And it's simply this. God's word receives different responses from different people. God's word receives different responses from different people. Now in Matthew's gospel, there are five major discourses from Jesus teaching moments. This is the only one in his gospel that is to the crowds at large. The other four are to his disciples, to his believers only. And so that brings us to this room this morning. Looking out upon this large crowd today, I know many of you, I know even most of you, and I know that most of you in this room are disciples of Jesus. You are believers in Jesus. But I also know That in a crowd this size, there are also those in this room who you're checking things out. Perhaps you came because someone invited you. You're exploring spiritual truth. You're exploring what God may be leading you towards or what you would want to believe or need to believe in your life. And so I know it's a diverse audience today, just as it was a diverse audience in the first century world where Jesus gave this discourse, this teaching I also think about as we are starting a new school year and as we're thinking about our own roles in the fields of God, in the harvest field of God. If you've been here at Mill City for any length of time, you know that we, we see a part of our identity as being a sending church, being a church on mission. And I want you to think about this year alone. This year alone, we sent out a team Over spring break mission trip, a team of 23 to partner with church planting efforts in metro Denver. And then I think about one of our sisters who went overseas to Japan earlier this spring and served for a couple of months uh, making the gospel known among the Japanese. I think about this summer where a team of six went to the United Kingdom and partnered with some of our missions partners there and partnered with the gospel in Scotland. I think about our team of three who, whom we sent out to serve in Calgary this summer, working with church planting efforts there. I think about one of our other brothers who went to Peru this summer for two months, working with our international mission board. And I'm even mindful right now that we're about to start recruiting for Christmas in East Asia as we start mobilizing a team to be there this Christmas. Brothers and sisters, Mill City Church is a sending place church and we should rejoice in that truth there are churches who have been a, who have been an established church for decades who have never even sent out a missionary one missionary from their midst just look at what God has done in our midst this year in 2019 alone but you know perhaps even more significant than all of those brothers and sisters whom I just referred to Perhaps more significant is the 200 plus people just like you who are a part of our ministry here through Mill City Church and Christian Student Fellowship at UML, who are laboring right here in this place in Lowell and the greater Lowell community and the campus here. Perhaps even more significant are the hundreds of us who are a part of sowing the word and sprinkling the seed of the word in our everyday, ordinary lives right here where we are. And so today, I want you to see in our message a call to sow. I want you to see a call to sow in this parable. That if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that you have a call to sprinkle the seed of God's word wherever you are, whether it's your job, whether it's your home, whether it's your dorm, whether it's your classroom, wherever it would be, that you would see your calling to sprinkle, to sow the Word of God, the seed of the Word, wherever you go in your life. But I also want you to see in this passage today a call to know, a call to know the Word, that the Word of God would would take root in your life and you would understand it and you would cherish it as the man in our parable did. So what I want to do is I want to dive in here and let's unpack this as we think about a call to sow, as we think about a call to know, as we think about that in the context of being a sending church. I want you to see in this parable that what Jesus seems to be doing is dividing all of humanity into two overarching categories. And in those two overarching categories, there are four different categories heart types are four different soil types on which the seed of God's word may fall the first category includes three different types of hearts or three different types of soil on which to receive the word of God the second category includes one soil type one type of heart on which The seed of God's word may fall. And these soil types, these heart types, describe the way in which the word of God will or will not grow in that heart. You ready to look at it? Let's go. Here's the first overarching category that I believe this parable is showing us most people receive the word fruitlessly. Most people receive the word fruitlessly. And we're going to see three different types of hearts here. Now, what I mean by fruitlessly, it means that the the seed of God's word falls. The seed of God's word is there on that heart, and there is no fruit born from that heart. There is no fruit that grows in that type of soil. So let's look at some of these types of hearts. Number one, some people receive the word fruitlessly from a hardened heart. A hardened heart. Jesus says in verse 4 that as the sower sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Do you get the picture that here's the sower? He has his bag of seeds and he is walking along the path. And And the seed bag is so full that seed is just falling to the ground with every step that he makes. And that seed is just simply falling along the road, falling along the path that has been carved out for horses and buggies on which to drive. And when that seed falls on that path, on that road, Jesus says that when it falls, birds come along and just devours it. It's gone. And there's no soil even there for it to take root in. Now, Jesus explains this when you go over to verse 19. He says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one, the enemy, Satan, comes along, snatches it away, what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Maybe that person is resistant to the gospel. Maybe they just don't want to believe. They don't want anything to do With Christianity, they want nothing to do with Jesus. So maybe they're resistant. They might even be hostile. You've met those people before that you even bring up the Bible. You even bring up the name of Jesus or you bring up Christian church and they just get very antagonistic and even angry. And perhaps it's because of past experiences. Perhaps it's because of this misunderstanding. They might be hostile. They could just be ignorant. They could just be ignorant to the things of God. That this is complete foolishness of them. No one's ever told them anything about this before. Oftentimes, when I've been in East Asia, in and, and a culture that is largely uh, atheistic, no one has been raised with even an idea of the fact that there is a God. Sometimes it's just ignorance. The Word of God just falls on an ignorant heart. But regardless, however the posture of their heart might be, the Word is taught... The seed is sprinkled, it's heard, the enemy steals it away from their heart, from their memory, with no soil in which it might even penetrate where it could grow to conviction or spiritual fruit. They have a hardened heart. But also, the most from the camp of most people who receive the word fruitlessly, it also might be from a shallow heart. From a shallow heart. In verse 5, he goes on to say that other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. I feel like this parable is talking about my front yard. There is, in my townhouse community where I live, I have this little patch of grass. And I have this uh, little etched out flower bed where some shrubs and different things are growing. And I've planted some hostas and other things in that bed. And when I remember digging up that soil, I think there there were far more rocks in that soil than there was actual dirt. And there have even been things I've planted in there that have just died because there are so many rocks in that soil. But I want you to think about an even clearer illustration of this. Have you ever had, a, maybe you've pulled out a weed or pulled out a flower or, or maybe you even took out a bedding plant and, and you had it just sitting there on your sidewalk waiting to be planted. I want you to imagine for a moment that you just took that plant, that bedding plant out of its little plastic compartment and you just put it there on your sidewalk and you just expected it to grow in this vibrant marigold or this, or this vibrant petunia. Like it's just not going to happen. Because the soil needs to be deeper. It needs to have a place where its roots can go into the ground in which to thrive, right? This is the picture that Jesus is painting here, that some seed simply is put in soil that either has a lot of rocks, which thwart and, and the, the, the roots from taking root there, or it's, just very, it's so shallow that there's no growth that can happen. And when you go over to verse 20, he explains this. He says, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. It's like taking that bedding plant out of its plastic compartment and you put it there on your sidewalk and it's beautiful, it's colorful, it's thriving for a moment, for a little while. But verse 21 says, yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word immediately he falls away jesus says the person with the shallow heart he receives the word immediately with joy they give the appearance of belief they give the appearance of a real true convert they like what they're hearing there's community that they're enjoying They will say they want to be a Christian. He or she might even be consistent in church, in Bible study, or even a little bit of service and mission for a while. But then here's what happens the pressures of commitment hit him, the the pressures of the world start coming around her. Persecution might start coming. Parents may question their newfound interest. Old friends in old ways start calling and tempting again. And so they bolt. And what's happened is these people have sought to conform themselves to some outward form of religion that's devoid of its power. In other words, they've believed the gospel and they've received the gospel in a strict human way, with no involvement or empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so, they don't have deep faith, they don't have saving belief, and so they endure for a few weeks, a few months, maybe even a year or two, but eventually, they fall away. And so we see that some people have the word on their hearts fruitlessly, from a hardened heart, also from a shallow heart, but then in verse 7, Jesus also shows us that they might be fruitless from a divided heart. A divided heart. In verse 7 of chapter 13, Jesus says, Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds uh, sorry, uh, uh, other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. You go over to verse 22, and he explains this. As for what was sown among thorns... This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. I am not very good at horticulture. I I like it. I'm fascinated by it. I love looking at the fruitful labors of it. I love watching, uh, viewing a well-manicured landscape lawn. And I love looking at people's gardens who really know how to care for plants and fertilize them and water them. I can do it kind of okay, but I don't do it often and I'm oftentimes not good at it even when I try to do it. But I love watching someone who really knows what they're doing and anyone who really knows what they're doing, they know the hindrance and the danger of thorns or weeds or other bushes that are very invasive and that can actually crowd out And actually kill a healthy, vibrant, beautifully budding plant or flower. This is the picture that Jesus is giving us. And there are some seeds that fall on those hearts. And there are other things in this world that come in and start cramping the roots. And thwarting the growth. There are other things that start getting in the way. They have a divided heart. Jesus says because the deceitfulness of wealth or the deceitfulness of worldly pleasure choke the word or choke the seed from growing. Now this person this person doesn't necessarily receive the word with joy, but he's also not hostile. He's simply torn. The message might sound good to him, but the world sounds better. It might be a girl or a boy. Uh, It could be a job, It, it could be drugs or alcohol, addictions, it might be wealth, materialism, vocational advance, it could be a group of friends, popularity, whatever it is, the world seems far better than the kingdom. They ultimately choose earthly pleasure over eternal delight. I experience this all the time, especially on campus. You know, when you're 18 or 20 years old or even 25 years old and you're just really getting started with adulthood and you're branching out on your own for the first time after leaving mom and dad's house. And humanly speaking, you have the whole world before you. You have 60 more years, you have 70 more years 80 more years if the Lord choose to give you that long of a life. And So when it comes to eternal things, oftentimes, when we start talking about the gospel, the mentality could be, well, this sounds good, and I'm even softened towards it, but you know, I'll start following that when I graduate. Or I'll start thinking about that when I get married and settle down and have a family. Or or I'll really get serious about pursuing Jesus when you fill in the blank. When's it going to be? And so what we often do is we confuse ourselves and we deceive ourselves and thinking somehow that God has promised us this 70-year-old or 80-year-old life that we're not necessarily promised. And we start continuing to put off things of eternal significance and we exchange eternity for temporal pleasures. When the reality is, We're not even promised that later date when we will become serious about it. Not to mention the fact that we are squandering precious moments and we're wasting the precious years and the months, the weeks, the days, and the hours that he's given us today. So this person, this person is the one who allows other things, and some of them could even be good things, to crowd out, To choke the seed of the word from growing in our hearts. You know what the danger of this reaction is? The danger of this reaction is the subtlety of the danger. You see, when we think danger, we think drugs, alcohol, sex, terrorism. But oftentimes, spiritually speaking... The things that might pose the greatest danger to our spiritual vitality and right relationship with God are the things that God even gives us as good gifts because we take those good gifts and we make them ultimate gifts and we focus so much on the gift that we end up turning our backs on the giver and we've taken the gifts of God and we've turned them into idols altogether. And those very good things can even crowd out and choke out the seed of God's Word from growing fruitfully in our lives. I believe personally that this is a danger that we specifically battle here in America. I don't know all the dangers in East Asia. I don't know all the dangers in Africa because I don't live there. I haven't grown up there. But I have grown up here and I know what our dangers are and I believe that this is a very specific danger that we face here in the west and so now we think about all these different hearts which yield a fruitless response to the word they're varying they look different and there may be varying levels of receptivity or hostility towards the word represented in these three types of hearts but i don't want you to miss the fact that they all end up being fruitless in the end they don't bear fruit for the kingdom of God. So we, see, so we see that according to Jesus, even a half-hearted response to Jesus is still an unworthy response. Don't miss this, brothers and sisters. A half-hearted response to Jesus is still a wholehearted rejection of Jesus. He doesn't want half of your heart. He doesn't want half of your response He doesn't want half of your allegiances, half of your affections. He wants your whole heart. He wants all of you. He wants all of you or none of you. We can't have it in the middle from Jesus' perspective. And so the first overarching category, which has been the bulk of our message, is to see that, that most people will receive the word fruitlessly. But we also need to see some good news here. Because the good news is in this text, we also see that some people will receive the word fruitfully. Some people will receive it fruitfully. And we don't see this just here in this text. We also see this laid out much more on a macro level in Matthew chapter 7 when Jesus teaches the Sermon on the Mount. I want to show you here, biblically speaking, from Jesus' own mouth... That the, that the outline that you're seeing from, from my pen today is actually straight from the Bible. In Matthew chapter 7, here's what Jesus tells us in verse 13. He says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow. And the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Friends, I want to just sum this paragraph as well as Matthew 13 up this way, very simply. Based on the words of Jesus himself, Jesus tells us that most people, most people who have ever lived on planet Earth or who are living on planet earth today, or who will live on planet earth tomorrow, most people will receive the word fruitlessly. Is that not what Jesus says? He said the gate is wide, the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. In the parable of the sower, he gives three unworthy responses three types of heart soils that do not receive the word fruitfully but only gives us one that receives it that receives it fruitfully and then in verse 14 of chapter 7 he says the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few and so it should not surprise us that an overwhelming majority of people whom we live with, whom we're related to, whom we go to school with, it should not surprise us that the overwhelming majority of people who are around us every day do not receive the word of God fruitfully because Jesus himself told us that an overwhelming majority of people will not. That's still a little bit more negative, isn't it? So let's go a little more positive here. Jesus says that some people will receive the word fruitfully. And I'm looking at a crowd full of people in this room who have received the word fruitfully. And the people who receive the word fruitfully, there's only one type of heart uh, there to receive the word. And it's from a receptive heart. The heart that's receptive to the Word of God. The heart that's receptive. The soil that is deep and healthy and is receiving the seed of that Word. And it's in in that seed where it's a healthy environment where the seed will grow into spiritual fruit and to be borne out in your life. In verse 8, he says, "...other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold." Psalm 60, Psalm 30, in verse 23, as he explains it, he says, As for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. Very simply, Jesus is telling you and me today that the one who receives the word receptively lives fruitfully in their lives meaning that their lives is going to reflect the character of Jesus speaking the words of Jesus their hands and their feet are walking and touching with the with the encouraging comforting healing touches of Jesus on on the lives around us now you and I don't live in a an agrarian society today You and I, when we need produce, we simply go to the Hannafords or to the Stop and Shop. Or if you're a millennial, maybe Trader Joe's. That's what we know. We don't live in an agrarian society, but the first century world did. And so sometimes we need help understanding some of these metaphors. But what Jesus is ultimately getting at is that one seed... Just one seed in the right soil can have an effect that is measureless. I want you to think about that in your own life. I want you to think about apple trees. Now, I get a little bit of flack for this from the people who know me best, but my favorite apples are red, delicious apples. Now, if you want to judge me for my apple choices, that's fine, but those are my favorite. You know, there may be Uh, The gala people over here, there may be the green apples over here. I'm not sure, but I'm a red delicious apple kind of guy. That's what's in my fridge waiting on me this afternoon. All right. But did you know that red delicious apple trees are the fastest growing of all apple trees? And they can grow upwards to two feet per year. And it takes a few years for them to mature fully so that they start bearing fruit. But when they do start bearing fruit, an average red delicious apple tree can yield as many as six bushels or more of apples every year. And those six bushels means at least 40 pounds per bushel, which means 250 plus pounds of apples, which can equal somewhere around seven to 800 apples per year on one tree. Then you think about that over the lifetime of that tree. From one seed in good soil. I don't want to just think about apples today, but it's just one of those earthly examples that Jesus gives us to show us the power of one seed in good soil, the limitless and even measureless fruit that would come from that good soil and that one seed. Friends, what Jesus wants you to know today is that when his word falls on a receptive heart that's good soil, that's ready to be, to be born out in a life that looks like Jesus, you will have an infinite effect on those who are around you. And you will start looking more and more like Jesus on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a yearly basis, a decades basis through your life, and it will be measureless. No one will be able to measure the fruit for Jesus that comes out of your life. That's the picture he's getting at here for us. Jesus shows us this in other places. In John 15, 8, he gives us the expectation that his disciples would bear fruit. He says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. In John 15, 16, in that same paragraph, he says, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit Should abide, that it should last. So if you're here today and you're a Christian, you're a believer, and you're buying into a lie that says, I don't have to grow, or I don't have to mature, or I don't have to be disciplined, this is not matching with what Jesus is telling us in the Gospels. Jesus expects his believers to grow fruit. And the reason is because his word is that powerful. His word is powerful enough to go into the soil of your heart. And his Holy Spirit comes in and germinates that seed. And fertilizes that seed. And waters that seed. So that it might grow into a life that reflects his goodness. And is on mission with him. So this morning what we've seen is we've seen two categories of people. Those who have fruitless hearts, those who have fruitful hearts. And you can look in those hearts today and try to identify, where am I? I hope that you have a receptive heart. And so this morning, I want to focus in a little bit before we close on how do we respond to this? How do we respond to this truth that there are many different responses to the word of God in our In our world. First, through introspection, I want you to examine the state of your heart. Examine the state of your heart. In verse 9 in chapter 13, after giving the parable, Jesus says, He who has ears, let him hear. Do you have ears today? looking out pretty much everyone i'm seeing has physical ears and you you're hearing audible words being spoken your eyes are seeing words written on a page but just because you have these ears that are hearing audible sounds doesn't mean that you have spiritual ears that are spiritually listening to the words of Jesus. And so this morning, through introspection, I want to challenge you to examine your heart. Examine your heart. Are there things choking the seed of the word in your life that are prohibiting the word of God from growing into fruitfulness in your life? Your soil, how deep is it? Is it really shallow? Are you just putting the seeds of the word over on the sidewalk? where it's waiting to be planted in some deep soil, but you're just leaving it over there and giving every excuse in the world of why you can't do it today? Or are you here today with a hardened heart? A hardened heart that is just pushing away the word of God. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to listen to it. And you wish that your friends and your family would just shut up about it. I want you to hear the words of Jesus today. Let he who has ears... Let him hear. Let him spiritually listen. So examine the state of your heart. But then through obedience, I want to talk to those who really do have receptive hearts in the room. And I would think that that would be most of us in this room. You have a receptive heart. Well, through obedience, would you expand the scope of your mission? Would you expand the scope of your mission. As we think about a church that is seeking to be a sending church, we're going to continue to send out mission teams. We're going to continue to support overseas missions efforts and domestic missions efforts. We're going to continue to send out individual missionaries. But brothers and sisters, we're going to continue to challenge you to be sent week in and week out to be sowers of God's word. If you are a Christian in this room today, God has given you a seed bag. He's given you a bag of seed. And he wants you to be reading the word and meditating on the word and listening to the word in community like this so much that your seed bag is so full that as you are walking through this sod, and you're going about your everyday duties, that that seed is just falling out. It is falling out. And you are spreading it liberally and graciously and compassionately. And you're talking about the things of God to anybody who will listen. Would you expand the scope of your mission as we begin this new school year? As we think about being a sending church, as we think about being sent out with our seed bags today, I want to close by giving you both a challenge and an encouragement. And that challenge is verse 3. In verse 3, it says that the sower went out to sow. And so one of the first steps for us in this room today is what the moment we say today, Mill City, you are sent. Is for you to intentionally, consciously go out today knowing that my goal this week, my commission this week, is to go out and sow. Could it be that oftentimes we don't sow because we never think about our commission being to sow? So that's my challenge to you sow the Word of God this week, drop the seeds of the Word. But here's the encouragement. If you're anything like me, I get discouraged. I get discouraged because the word word sometimes just falls on hardened hearts. I get discouraged because I'm rejected. I get discouraged because I'm not listened to. Here's the encouragement Notice that as much as the word goes out, more often than not, it will fall on fruitless hearts, it will fall on non receptive hearts. But here's the encouragement in verse 9. There will always, verse 8, there will always be a harvest. There will always be a harvest. It could be that you're not seeing more harvest because you are sowing so sparingly. Dropping a seed here. You're dropping a seed there. Could it be that you might see more harvest if you would scatter seeds more broadly, scatter seeds more liberally, liberally, more radically? So this morning, I want you to hear a call to sow. And I want you to hear a call to know. Know the word that you may sow the word in other people's lives. That's a large part of our mission as we start this new school year. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters today. I pray that you would speak to their hearts right now that through introspection that you may illuminate to them the state of their heart. That they would identify whether their heart is hardened, whether it's shallow, whether it's divided, or whether it's receptive. And Lord, we pray by the power of your Spirit that, that you would go in like weed killer and you would take away all those things that are cramping and crowding your seed from being able to grow to fruitfulness in their lives. And Father, I pray that as we know your word, that it would grow in our lives in such a way that we would then leave sowing radically Sowing generously, knowing that the more we sow, the more possibility there will be for a greater harvest. And so, Lord, as we are sent out from this place, cause your word to fall out of our seed bags this week. So that others may hear, that others may listen, and others may have hearts that would be good soil that would grow up to fruitfulness for Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen.